This is Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM Manchester, WGHM Nashua. Welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. Timmy Buttons working the boards. Two hours down, one to go here on a Tuesday. We're cruising right along, and uh, we will speak to head coach of the Manchester Monarchs, Rich Seeley, shortly. We're running a little early because we want to make the last segment longer. Uh, if that makes sense. Really radio people, you might not understand that if you're not real. But anyhow... We wanted to get Lou on early just to make sure we got him because the Red Sox trades obviously an important topic today uh, as they improve their pitching overall with those two moves. Um, but like I said, we are going to be talking to head coach Rich Seeley of the Manchester Monarchs shortly. And uh, the last time I spoke to Rich, I believe it was Thursday, and the Monarchs were in the midst of... A four-game losing streak. Uh, they had lost to the Everblades four nothing on Black Friday, uh, then to the Jackals two games in a row, and then to the Thunder last Tuesday. And I said to him, uh, "Next time I talk to you, you'll be on a winning streak." And what do you know? The Monarchs have won two straight. Yep. Over the weekend, taking a two-game set from the Wings, and they will welcome. Into Manchester at Southern New Hampshire University Arena tomorrow. Uh, the Norfolk Admirals uh, will come to town as they try to continue uh, their win streak. It's one of the tougher things that they're having to do these first couple of years. You had a division in the AHL where you could do same-day trips for Pete's sakes. It was allowed by the league. That they weren't worried you couldn't show up even if your bus broke down. Now you're in a league where, look, there's the Adirondack team and there's the Elmira team. Everything else is more than a tank of gas. You know, Cincinnati Cyclones, and well, there's a team in Alaska for Pete's sakes. So teams play these little series, kind of like college likes to do out west, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. A weekend of North Dakota playing Minnesota Duluth. And you know the second game's a great game because everybody's got a grudge. Yeah. That's what happens in this league. Somebody likes Cincinnati or Virginia or somebody comes to town they play three in Manchester while they're here, or at least two. And I'm telling you, no offense to going to the first game, but go see games two and games three. Those are great hockey games because now you're mad, and it's no longer, well, the officials or this or that. You've got a guy who's hit you in the side of the head two nights in a row. 
you know what you're going to do to him the third night? Yep. Because this is the last one you're playing against him, and then you got a couple days off. Oh, it is. It's yeah. it's like they described, say, the Iron League yep. in the in movie Slapshot, Slapshot, which we played the song for. It there. really yeah. turns into that. Yeah, it's good stuff, and I think that's great. I mean, and that that's why I urge uh, I urge fans uh, listening right now to the stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Go over and check out the Monarchs, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what right now, um, we can help you do that because we've got a mess of timeless tickets. They call them the gold ticket, and it can be used for any game, all right, for the rest of the season. And what happens is we give you these tickets, and you call up the Monarchs and you for the game you want to go to, and you get the best possible seats available at that time for the game. And we have got 30 of those tickets here at ESPN New Hampshire here in the stretch run. And so what I want to urge you to do, since we're having some issues with our phone system tonight, um, if you're listening right now, you can tweet us at ESPNNH. Okay, that's the station Twitter handle, at ESPNNH. Or you can tweet the show at the stretch run NH at the stretch run NH and the first five tweets I get for the rest of the show right now in the final hour will get tickets. Also, I'll be giving away these tickets when Pete Terrier, our sales and marketing director here at the station at ESPN New Hampshire, uh, Pete Terrier has set it up. As you know, we are broadcasting every Thursday at a Buffalo Wild Wings. Last Thursday was Concord, New Hampshire. And this Thursday, we are at the Mall in Manchester. Uh, and we will be going to the Buffalo Wild Wings there, broadcasting live, the stretch run on the road at the Mall in Manchester from 3 to 6 p.m. this Thursday. And then again, Thursday after that, we will be in Concord. And then the following Thursday, Back in Manchester. So I urge you to come on by, say hello, and if you want, we'll give you some Manchester Monarchs tickets as well. And you can go experience uh, what Timmy's talking about there, where, yeah, you get this animosity built up. So maybe if you get these tickets, take the tail end of the back to backs or take the third game of the three game set. And then you're going to get the game where all the animosity is built up. And it all comes pouring out. And, on and yet there isn't a 55-year-old Paul Newman trying to pretend he's still young. Although director George Hill did a great job with this movie. But these are really young guys. This is the equivalent of watching guys who, rather than playing maybe their junior and senior year of college hockey, have decided to go pro. So the ECHL is very much a youth league. And, uh, man, the skating speeds... Well, I mean, the game I played in the 70s never chugged along like a Monarchs game does now. It's exciting hockey. Yeah, it is. And you know what? Uh, a player that I uh, had the pleasure of scouting and getting to know a little way back when he was uh, a young lad coming out of high school in Long Island, out of Long Beach in New York, uh, a fellow by the name of Joey Diamond. He's been playing for your Manchester Monarchs, and he has just been recalled by the AHL Springfield Thunderbirds, who are the Florida Panthers affiliate in the AHL. So uh, good for uh, Joey Diamond, you know, who played at the University of Maine, uh, had a great career there, 
and uh, he has uh, been great for the Monarchs this season. He, he can fight. He can score. He's a spark plug out there, and he is on his way up to the A to play in Springfield. So congratulations to Joey Diamond, and we will, uh, we'll talk about Joey and the Monarchs uh, with Coach Seeley uh, when we can track him down here. Um, but I'll tell you a story here, and I, I don't know if you were listening a few weeks back. I was talking to uh, Coach Seeley here on the show, and we brought up Joey Diamond. And when I scouted, I was working for a team out of the queue called the Montreal Juniors. Uh, the Q is the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, for those of you who aren't familiar. And so I'm working for the Montreal Juniors, and I'm along with a fellow by the name, a friend of mine, and a fellow by the name of Todd Carroll, who uh, is now an, an agent, uh, runs a company called Premier uh, Sports Agency. And Todd and I were scouting, and Todd knew the Diamond family. And so Joey's dad... Knew his kid had something. He knew he was gonna. Be, he could be a really good hockey player. He knew he had that raw talent, and he knew what he had, what it takes to make it to the to higher levels of hockey. Um, but Joey had been getting into some trouble, uh, and his dad, ironically, was a cop. Uh, and so he's a cop down in Long Beach, New York, and he, you know, he said to Todd, you know, I can't. We gotta, we gotta get him out of here. I don't want him to get in more trouble. Uh, I can't keep getting him out of it, and so I want him to keep playing hockey, and I know he can make it. And so Todd said, well, I'm scouting for the Montreal Juniors. Murph and I can try and get him up there to the tryout camp and see how it goes. Now, Joey is uh, a little big. I'm a, I'm a small person, if you haven't known. Obviously, it's radio, so you don't see, but I'm about 5'6". Joey is maybe a little taller than me. Um, actually, I'll get the exact stats. Think of Theo Flurry. For, uh, he was referenced earlier by Bob Snow. That's the type of player this guy is. And uh, he's a smaller in stature, but he plays like he's 6'4", 2-something. And he's he's like a little fire hydrant there and a spark plug, like I said. So anyhow, we bring him up to uh, Montreal for tryouts. And he gets there. And the majority of the kids trying out in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and specifically from Montreal, are French-Canadian. Or, if you're not French-Canadian, you're Canadian. Not many Americans there. Not many Americans got the invite. Uh, so it's our job to get some of the Northeast area American kids up there. Um, and so we bring Joey and a couple other kids. Joey gets in there, and I can see right away that the coaches are looking at him. Like, what, what are you doing bringing us this little guy here? What, come on. And, of course, they're speaking in French. And they don't think we – well, I didn't know French, but my friend knew French, and he knew what they were saying. He goes – he plays a lot bigger than he is, and they were stunned. You know, like, oh, no, they know what we're saying here, and they got all, like, oh, they're all nervous, you know, and they thought that they were talking trash, and they couldn't, you know, that we couldn't understand. Tim. Right. So so Todd calls him out on it, and he goes, you just watch. He plays a lot bigger than he is, and they shut up right away. So, uh, so first day of camp gets there, and they have an exhibition every day at the end of camp, right? At the end of the day, they have an exhibition, and... Joey's out there, and in three exhibition games, he got in three fights, two of which were against the biggest kid at camp, which he absolutely destroyed the kid, caused him to bleed in one of the fights. The kid had to leave, go get stitched up, and come back. He wins the other fight as well. He also scores five goals in three exhibition games, in three inter-squad games, 
uh, at the juniors camp. So we're like, he's going to make it. I mean, you know, they don't know what the, how can you not let this kid make it? He didn't make the team. And, And to this day, I'm convinced it was an Anglo versus French thing. And it was because he wasn't French and he was American and, it, it was it was really horrible what they did. He he did everything he was supposed to plus right. more. He worked his tail off and he came in there and he was arguably the best kid in camp and we were ticked, Timmy. Well, I have told you as well as the station's audience before that Robbie Fatorik and I would look at, at like we were from Mars only because we were Americans in a sport that was Canadian in the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. The first hour of this show is up on our website and is a wonderful weekly talk with uh, Dick and Millie there. And Dick is referencing back Charlie Holt because that was brought up by Pierre Maguire. Right. I once asked Charlie Holt why this was so successful. This is in the 70s, early 70s. I mean, you're doing pledge drives on Channel 11 and the games are on uh, about once a week. Uh, you know, how, how come it's so successful, he says, because those players are part of the community. Best kept secret on my team is I have 14 players from Ontario. Because people look at Gordy Clark and everybody else on the team, they think they're our boys, our Durham, New Hampshire boys. And they're not. The the team was two-thirds Canadian. And Mm -hmm. Ontario was a great recruiting ground for UNH back then. But the key is they did so much in Summersworth, Durham, Portsmouth, the Seacoast region, everybody thought of them as locals. Right. And that's what you just got to do. You got to become the hometown hero. Yeah. Well, let me put it this the way, way. The way, you know, in a, I realize this is with accomplishments like okay. the 68 TDs, but nobody thinks about where is Gronk from. Yeah. He's just they us. They connect him to, I know. And he does commercials but, where he does wicked but here's the thing, here's the and thing, stuff Timmy, like that. And that's what I was trying to sell these coaches on. I'm like, do you understand the butts he's going to put in the seats here? You know? And so he went on, and he ended up getting, that same fall, he ends up getting a full bolt to UMaine, goes on to become the captain there. And uh, let me just pull up the stats this kid had, Joey Diamond, uh, at UMaine, and he wasn't good enough to make it there, up in Montreal. Because um, there's a newsletter I just got here from Matt Johnson of the uh, Manchester Monarchs. So when he was at UMaine... He played in 135 games for the Black Bears, had 104 points on 59 goals and 45 assists. And he was also a captain there. And I remember later on, okay, I'm covering uh, the Bruins versus the Winnipeg Jets. This is about, I don't know, four or five years later. And... A guy by the name of Pascal Vincent, who was the head coach of the Montreal Juniors when we tried to get him on the team, was then, he still is actually, the assistant coach with the Winnipeg Jets. So I see him down in the hallway, and uh, and now Joey's gone to play. He's playing a couple games with Anaheim and stuff, and Pascal calls me over down in, our, in the corridor there outside the dressing rooms after the game day skate. He's like, hey Murph, how you been? Well, he goes, you know, it's been bugging me for a while now. I tried really hard for that kid, and I should have tried harder, and I had the final decision, and I should have stood up to my assistants and everyone else for Joey Diamond to make the team because, man, you were right on him. Look at the career he went on to have at UMaine. Look at the career. You know, he's, he's, he's not in the pros all the time, but he's still up there. He's following his dream, and he, he is. He's a, he's a good, solid player, and his size doesn't matter. He still makes up for it, and, and he apologized to me, and it, and it felt good. 
You know, but I, yeah. I was like, you know what? You need to apologize to him because he wanted to play for you guys. Well, I think one of Dick's little regrets is uh, the Mariucci Center had only been open a few years out in Minnesota, and that was built with an Olympic ice sheet. So they built the Whittemore with an Olympic ice sheet. He has lobbied almost every other year now to try to make the ice smaller. Mm-hmm. I want to go to 90 feet wide instead of the 100, and let's take about 10 feet off an end. And he just can't convince them to spend the money to do it. But that always brings me to, you talked about with one of your guests, listening to a concert, Matthews Arena. You realize Matthews Arena is the biggest sheet of ice in Boston. That, you know, with a new garden and with Snooks Kelly Arena, which mm-hmm. I still call it that, and with what they built over at uh, BU. Northeastern renovating the old, old Boston Arena. That's a 90-foot-wide sheet, and it's 206 feet long. That's the biggest ice surface in Hockey East in Metro Boston. And there are players. Yeah. And there are players but who have gotten there. But it's a, it's, a, it's a narrow barn, what? right, stage-wise. They're right on top of the Oh, the I've balcony. Been there, the new yeah. one. Yeah, you're still on top yeah, of the Yeah, that balcony. Thing. You just look yeah. straight down at yeah. the ice. Yeah. Which I love. It's That's fantastic. That's cool because you can feel the fans on top of you, which yeah. is great. Yeah. And you don't get that in a new NHL barns. They're all cookie no. cutters. And the re- and the and only re- place you get that, Timmy, is Bell Center. Sure. That, yeah. They did a good job of constructing that, the way they shaped it, and the way the noise travels. And, and I realized most of the renovation was actually outside of there, was getting new weight rooms and all that on St. Baltoff Street. But that ice is 206 by 90, and you see defensemen get turned. That five feet makes a difference. Now, because of the 100 feet in Durham, it really doesn't help. Everybody just gets together like a bunch of uh, squirrels in a mm. pack. So it all gets boxed down, and there's all this open ice that nobody's using. But I'm telling you, it's a great trick to uh, turn the corner on guys when they're playing against Northeastern. It really is. But this old arena up there in Maine, since you're talking about playing in Maine, most people don't realize that's some of the fastest ice because they keep it real cold. Jimmy, you've been in this business so long, tied in with hockey. Yeah. What do you think the... uh, yeah, optimum temperature is for ice. What do you think they try to get the plant of yeah, ice? I should to know be? that because I covered a couple of the outdoor games. I don't know off the top of my head. I can't remember. Yeah, trying to make the ice eighteen degrees, and they and that's colder than years ago. But by the bright TV lights and painting the blue lines and everything, you need it colder so that the the light reflection doesn't melt it. They keep the ice in Maine. Good old Orford, Maine, 12 degrees. Wow. And it's like, it's rock solid hard. And when their Zamboni goes out between periods, it doesn't even look like he's scraping anything. Right, they're not. Yeah. They're, le- they're letting it build up oh, that's awesome. thick and hard because <laughs> you don't want to get knocked down on it. Yeah. You don't fear the boards as much as you fear taking a wallop at center yeah. ice onto See, that that's ice. great. You can still create home advantages like that. You can't do that in the NHL anymore. I, I love know, it when anybody regulated. does this. You know, yeah. I, I was watching like you, Dombrowski, behind us, and I was thinking of his years with the Tigers. Has the grass ever been any longer in any Major League Baseball park than Comerica Park. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's up to your knees. Yeah, you can still do that in baseball, but you can't. <laughs> so you, in the you NHL. go to Bunton, it's yeah. like it dies even if you're lousy at Bunton. But well, yeah, in the NHL, that 200 by 85. Yeah. Well, we are unfortunately unable to get Coach Sealy today. We'll have him on again this week, no problem. Uh, but like, I, I the point of my story about Joey Diamond is: look, this is a kid now. He's going back up to the AHL, trying to work his way back up to the NHL. 
Um, and he currently was the leading scorer for the Monarchs, and he's obviously making an impression on management above. So do yourself a favor. You, if you're a hockey fan and you want to see potential future stars, or you just want to see some fun hockey like Timmy described there, some passionate hockey every night. Got to remember, these kids are trying to make it to the next level. We're not necessarily kids. Sometimes they're middle-aged guys. You know, I know they got a guy that's 30 on the team that they just picked up in a trade. So he's trying to make it back. You know, they got like the Reg Dunlops. They still have guys like that. So seriously, get on over there to Manchester and uh, to Southern New Hampshire University uh, Arena there and, and check it out. Check out the Monarchs tonight. Like I said, we'll have tickets here throughout the week. Let's just call it Snoo Arena. It's a Schnoo lot Arena. easier. Let me call it Monarchs. The King's Den. Here we go. There's a good name. So uh, go check them out, Manchester Monarchs, and we'll get Coach Sealy on later in a week. This is the Stretch Run. When we get back here on ESPN New Hampshire, we'll welcome on Ty Anderson, who covers the Bruins for WEI.com. So stay with us. You're listening to Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox. This is ESPN New Hampshire. Sets up in Gretzky's office. Kindle having a look at him. Saucer pass in front scores. Tim Schauer catches the pass from David Krejci and puts Boston ahead. Luigi, could you pass me a fork and spoon so that I can twirl my spaghetti? down on him. Sporter to Krejci with Pesic in his own crease. Now Krejci throws it in front but couldn't get much on it. Sporter the shot scores! David Backus in front does it again and the Bruins lead 3-2. comes out of the corner. Pasternak, who's gone all the way to center ice, goes right in and scores! David Pasternak wins it for Boston! 4-3 in sudden death! Oh, I'm telling you. We are going to get this to be David Pasternak's song, his goal song. We've got to trademark it now before TD Garden steals it from us here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. David Parsonek did it again last night. And just as we discussed with Joe Haggerty, I mean, this kid is one of the best young talents in the NHL. He's not getting love, though, around the league right now. But, man, if you can't love him after that winner, that was filthy. That was nasty. That was just, that was, that was, you know what? He looked like a guy on the other side of the ice there. One of his idols, number 68, Yarmir Yager. That's who he looked like, like old Yager in Pittsburgh days. Uh, just cutting across the middle there, deking out the D-man and then the goalie. A beautiful way to win it there. And, and I'll tell you, I, I thought for sure when Florida tied it that the Bruins were going to blow that one. 
Um, you know, but because you got a Florida team who's desperate right now, the coaching Still. change, it looked like they were going to, they're going to, you know, get that momentum and take it to them in overtime or the shootout, what have you. But uh, Still less than two months to that 45th birthday. Unreal. What a nice shot by Yamayaga. Oh, yeah. oh, he's nice. Overall, he's, he's a awesome. statue out there because he's old. Yeah. Chris Chelios the last year or two. Hey, buddy, you're in the mid-40s, yeah. you know. But those wrists. When they Somebody tweeted to, to me, though, it? Timmy, and we'll, we'll, we're going to welcome on our guest right now, Ty Anderson at WEI.com. Ty, how are you doing? Hey, Jimmy. How's it going? Uh, I just saying, uh, somebody tweeted to me when when uh, Pasta scored the uh, the game winner last night. He should have uh, done the Yager salute after the goal, and I was like, you know what? That would have been cool, and it wouldn't have been looked at as an insult. I mean, Yager knows that he he idolizes him, and they've spoken before. I know that, so that would have been a, a, a kind of cool show of respect there to uh, Peter Pan, as I like to call him, Yarmir Yager. But. Uh, what do you think, Ty? Uh, can we get that to be Pasta's uh, goal song or what? Hey, man, I'd love it. I mean, I love what the, the Lightning do with Tyler Johnson. They play Johnny Go. When he scores a goal versus the rest of the team, you know, they play whatever their regular goal song is. Have fun with it, I mean, right? I, yeah, I think you got to have fun with it. I mean, the Bruins, you know, they're, they're not the, the most fun, uh, if you will, I think, when it comes to that kind of stuff. They, they never liked the idea of playing Louie Louie after Erickson scored a goal or Spoon Man after Spooner scoring a goal. Uh, but I like that that pasta song. That would really, uh, that would liven that crowd up. I'm telling oh, you. I, mean, I think it would it would catch on. Yeah, and you know, I was even thinking. So here, here's what I'm going to do. And uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully the Bruins aren't. So what I'll do is I'll I'll, I'll get in touch with Ray Bork, and we'll get his North End restaurants to sponsor it. So that's the the pasta goal song uh, brought to you. What the what the heck's the name of his res, his restaurant? Davios. It's something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've walked by it. I've never, I've never gone there. But yeah, I should. I sh- you want to look that up for us, Timmy? Timmy's looking it up. I should know that because uh, I have been out to eat there, and I'll be in that neck of the woods tomorrow night uh, to meet up with some people for dinner. But uh, you know, like I said, coming in there, and I had this conversation with Hags yesterday on the show. Ty, I mean, you know, I, I think he got it last night on NHL Network, and that's great and all. But in general, I don't see him getting the love. That he should get, uh, let's just say, in the NHL social media world right now. Did you find that out, Timmy? Tresca. Yeah, Tresca. Tresca's the restaurant by Ray ah, Bork. Tresca. Yeah, there we go. Okay, no, but, but go ahead. I don't know what you're saying. I, I, I think you're definitely right in the sense, like, you know, you've, you've heard a lot about uh, McDavid, rightfully so. You've heard a lot about Crosby again, you know, his 11th year now in the league, just destroying everybody. And that makes sense, of course. But, you know, you hear you hear more about a guy like Patrick Laine than you do David Pasternak. And, I mean, I guess, you know, Lonnie being 18 years old and a, and a rookie, it stands out a little bit more. But, I mean, the importance of David Postock to this team is, is nothing short of incredible. I mean, you look at this team and how they play with him versus when he's been out, whether through suspension or through an injury, and it's a totally different team. It's just night and day. And, and I don't think there's a single player that's meant more to this team, to his team rather, than David Postock, really. Mm. There might be that goalie guy there. Yeah, there, there's, there's him, but you. You got to score a goal to win a game. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's been the big problem. So we'll say, we'll say, I'll agree with you. I'll say position player for sure. Like, not a, not a goalie. It should be assumed almost. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But let me, let me just say too, you know, the one thing I think, you know, if I'm trying to reason why that is, he's not getting love is he, he's been kind of a work in progress, right? Whereas these guys came in, like you, you mentioned Lonnie, he's a rookie. He comes in and has that immediate impact. And he's, I mean, he's looking like Timo Solani did. Uh, when yeah. he came, so I get that, and so maybe it was just the 
the gradual progression of him that that hasn't allowed him to come, burst onto the scene. But you know what? I think as this season goes on, if he keeps this up, he'll he'll burst onto that scene. And I mean, you're right. I mean, with the exception of Tuukka Rask, I, I think he's the only reason the Bruins are even sniffing the playoffs right now because. Ironically, I, I mean, I think he's played well defensively, but Patrice Bergeron hasn't been himself offensively, and we know he's battling injuries. But um, Marchand's been kind of up and down to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, this, I'm not knocking his play. I mean, but I mean, considering what he did at the World Cup, I did expect a little more from him by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you look at the David Krejci is just now turning it on, but he had a slow start. He was invisible for a while. Backus took a while to get going. Uh, Bolesky's just had a tough year all around, and now he's going to be out six weeks with an injury there. Uh, that guy from Dorchester there, what's his name? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knows about him, yeah. So, yeah I, mean, I don't think he ever arrived. Yeah, imagine where the Bruins are right now without past the next offense. Yeah. Uh, you're right. I mean, so maybe there is a strong argument to say he's more valuable than, than Tuca. I mean, because you can't, you can't imagine... Tuca, like you said, can score the goals. He can save as many as he wants. But look at Mike Smith in Arizona right now. You know, he's the only thing they got. He's making, uh, what do you have, 58 saves the other night or 56, whatever, against Columbus, and they still yeah. lose. So that's the, type, that's the type of situation I think the Bruins would be finding themselves in right now if they didn't have David Pasenik. So kudos to him right now. I want to ask you, though, we, we talk about players that maybe aren't producing where they are and, and a guy that – uh, is really found himself marred in in a slump, and now, uh, you know, we heard whispers before, but now it, it's really out there right now that the Bruins are listening to offers on him, and that's Ryan Spooner. Uh, he had a solid game last night, I thought, arguably maybe his best of the year. Um, but I, I want to get your take on how long he has left in Boston. Yeah, I mean, the, the sort of the clock is ticking. I think the clock has been ticking too since they signed David back. I think that you looked at that thought and you said, okay, well, obviously Backus is going to be more of a winger here, but they talked about him being a third-line center and that ability. They talked about that so much so that you thought, okay, well, what happens to Ryan Spooner now? And then can't begin, you know, with Spooner on the wing. He's been on the wing all year. They've, done, they've put almost everybody else besides Spooner at that third-line center spot, and it just seems like it's been an uncomfortable sort of fit for him. Um, honestly, I, I think that they would like to move him if the right deal comes about. The problem is that by shuffling him around as much as they have, I think they've really hurt his value because mm. he's not a great winger. He's not, I mean, he has that creativity, but it's best utilized through the middle of the ice, I find. Uh, and, and really, he's sort of been uncomfortable and out of sorts on the wing. So I think in a way, they've almost damaged the, the asset, if you will. I think the time to strike with Spooner ideally probably would have been in the summertime when he's coming off a 13-goal, 49-point season. Um, and now they sort of have to build the value back up. But I think, you know, between that and one of their defensemen, I'm sure they'd love to package something together and bring in a legit scorer. The only problem is that there's really not a lot of legitimate scorers out there to be had right now in, in terms of what they really need, which is on the left side behind Marshant. Well, you feel like, I mean, in a situation, it's a great, you did a great job of describing the scenario they're in right now. I mean, it's almost like, don't you think they'd just be getting somebody – in Spooner's situation where he just needs a change of scenery? Yeah, ideally. I mean, it's for, almost going to be like an even swap, right? It's not going to be like, oh, yeah. wow, the, the Bruins just got the best of that trade and, like, uh, instant offense. I mean, I, I just feel like it's one of these things where they're just – got to find a match there where 
Maybe there's a, you know, a young forward that just hasn't amounted to everything they thought he was going to be, and he just can't seem to, to get in that groove here consistently, and that's the type of guy they might have to be acquiring. And I, really, how does that help them? You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're talking about maybe a project for a project where you're taking on, you know, just for example, Mark O'Donnell from the, from the Winnipeg Jets, the guy great who example. has never necessarily panned out the way they had planned when they acquired him, you know, for, mm. for Andrew Ladd. Uh, but, I mean, that's what you're talking about. Unless you make a, a, a greater package and include a defenseman of sorts or one of your other young guys, there's something I don't think they necessarily want to do right now. And it may be a little harder to do given the impending uh, expansion draft coming. Uh, but but I do think that it, yeah you're right it's a situation where you're not moving this guy for Jerome McGinley you know you're not getting Patrick Sharp from the Stars you know mm. you're not doing any of that it's just this may be a situation where it's project for project you know your problem for my problem kind of thing and I, I don't know if that makes them any better uh, they need I, I think you know the biggest thing holding this team back right now is their lack of scoring you can dominate the puck you can have Corsi you know out the window. But the problem is you got to still score, and they can't do that on, on a consistent basis. And I think you're beginning to see some frustration uh, from the coaching staff in that regard when, you know, his only, when Claude Julien's only option is to swap Tim Schaller and Ryan Spooner on a nightly basis. That's not going to work for this team. It's just not going to. Right, and that's not a knock on Schaller either. He's played no, of course not. above and beyond expectations. He's shown me some skill that I didn't know he had, and, and I, I think – you know he's making the best of his opportunity there. That that give and go with Krejci last night was oh, awesome. I mean, that yeah. was textbook. You know what? Okay, I see what's going on here. I'm gonna give it to you, and I'm gonna hustle my way in. And and, and don't forget who he beat to get back to the puck there and score the goal. Did you notice? I saw Aaron Eckblad. Exactly. There. Yeah. That and they didn't even pick that up on Nesson. They didn't even mention the guy that I'm like. Uh, by the way, he just beat one of the best young defensemen in the game, a future, yeah. I mean, likely future Norris Trophy winner, and that's Tim Schaller doing that. And I'm like, that that's yeah. awesome. That's pure hustle, man. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's nothing that's a knock against Schaller. It's just, it's just a matter of needing more than hustle. And I know that sounds like you're insulting him in a way, but it's, it's really just a matter of, you know, th- there's a natural goal scoring touch that they're missing on that left side. And mm. it's just you get Spooner out of position. Schaller's doing is he's working his absolute tail off, uh, but it's not going to be enough, you know, some nights, especially against some of these league top or you know top offenses, if you will. Uh, Vetrano should come back soon. But yeah, but I put the world, world on his shoulders. Yeah, look at the sample we have of him. I mean, why look and look? I love Vetrano. He's a UMass kid. He, he, I lived in his uh, neighborhood when I was out in Western Mass, and I you know know the family. I know their their pizza shop and everything. Like, I think it's a great story. I, I wish him nothing but success. But whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's pump the brakes here on how high people are on, on Frank Vetrano coming back and being some instant 20 to 30 goal scorer. Like, settle down a bit, people. And I, I think yeah. it's, it, it's really interesting how that, that has sort of taken a life of its own there. I'll tell you what, as we're discussing this, I think a team they really need to look at right now, and I'll say right before I, sit, I throw this name out there, um, it's going to take more than Spooner. It's going to definitely take giving up one of these prospects that they're so protective of, but I think it might be worth it, and they need a center desperately. And you might know where I'm going with this. They reside in the desert. The Arizona Coyotes are in desperate search mode of a center right now. All right? And there's a very skilled player that last year at this time was ripping up the league with Max Domi, and that's Anthony Duclair, and he is there to be had right now. 
That could be yeah. a match right there. However, like I said, they're going to have to sweeten the pot. It's going to take a little more than just Spooner for uh, Declare straight up. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, a great, that's a team that they're sort of in transition, and they understand that. Uh, and Duclair, obviously, he's had a struggle uh, this season. Totally not the same player from a year ago, but you do think the skill set is still there. The, the IQ is still there, and that's a high-ceiling talent, I think, as well. Mm. So that, that's one of those guys that I think that would definitely, uh, you know, that would appeal to the Bruins for sure. And, and I think, you know, it's, the Bruins and Coyotes, they haven't made a ton of deals, but I think there's some history in terms They've of They've talked a lot. Yep. Yeah, they do. They do talk a lot, especially when the Coyotes used to have Antoine Vermette. Yep. That was that was a team that they were in contact with a lot. You know the you know the Coyotes. I mean, Martin Hansel is another guy that he's a big body center. Uh, they don't want to move on from him. He's, but yeah. That's the guy that could be out there eventually. Oh, he's there. Um, he's there now, but he's a pending UFA, yeah. and that's what yeah, I think exactly. the Bruins would be hesitant on. You know, yeah, he's, he's got some injury history too, Ty. That's the one thing I'd worry yeah. about with him. But I, I agree yeah. with you. I was gonna I was gonna mention his name too, but. Um, you know, you bring up the trade you know, discussions. The that, size too, what, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he fits right in with clothes. Just, yeah, for sure. You know, and he would fit in with how they've been scoring their goals lately. I mean, you look at those goals. They've been all dirty goals lately, right out in front. And they've been, you know, down low, taking care of business around there. But um, I, I would definitely be targeting Declare. And you made a good point there. There are history of discussions, even more recent than the Vermette discussions when Chiarelli was here. They've had... A history of discussions with Arizona as recently as two drafts ago when, you know, it looked like Arizona was going to take uh, Hannafin and Sweeney was full out after Hannafin. He was trying to trade with Arizona because he thought that would help him get into position to take Hannafin himself. So, you know, there's a history there with the with the management. However, I think, yeah, Maloney was the GM then though, right? So it wasn't Chica. Yeah. So I don't know what yeah. the uh, what the relationship is like with Chica. And, and on that note, too, I don't mean to ramble on here in Arizona, but um, from what I've been told, and then some stuff I heard, uh, you know, through some pretty trusted reporters uh, around the league, is right now a lot of people are uh, kind of hesitant to deal with Chica um, because apparently he he's just so leaning towards analytics and stats and so in love with his prospects and he 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 won't see the other side of the coin he won't he won't see a different perspective of anything and they feel like he's just a little too in love with his uh his prospects right now so there seems to kind of be a you know let's let's wait and see type of thing going on with what he does but hey maybe that's a perfect time for Sweeney to go in there and and build some trust you never know yeah exactly and all the GMs now, everyone's afraid of getting busted for the, for the worst trade. You know, ever since mm-hmm. Torelli got... Especially a 27-year-old old, kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially that. With, with no necessarily prior experience with the next player or anything like that in terms of the NHL, uh, I think that's, that would be even more embarrassing for some of these guys who are very prideful, like Steve, for example, I think. He, he definitely doesn't want to be had on a trade like his like the one who came before him. You know, that Sagan trade is what killed Torelli on top of a lot of other things. But... The ice is so thin beneath this front office, I think, right now that they they have to weigh it out just as much as Arizona or these other teams do in terms of dealing with with the devil. You know, you don't know what you're getting. You don't want to be had, but it's it's one of these situations though where you do need to improve your team. They yep. can't stand Pat, I, and I know we say this a lot, but and this is the perfect Pat, time. This would be the best time to do it because yeah. you, you got to make noise. You have to. Yep. And a lot of these teams that are either behind you or around you, they're going to get better. 
Washington mm-hmm. is better than they are right now. Philly's better than they are right now. Oh. Ottawa, they may slip, yeah. But Tampa Bay, they're gonna once they get Ben Post back and if they acquire someone to help lessen his departure mm. or, or his injury rather, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think they're gonna be a better team than they are right now as well. So the Bruins right now they're they're pretty lucky to be where they are, I think. They really given are given their their scoring woes. So I think standing standing pat here and saying, Oh, we got a good team would be a gigantic mistake, especially for a front office that needs to make a statement here and prove their work. Yeah, well, we shall see what happens, man. This is, a, hey, I like this. Good, good. Hey, it, you know, everyone's talking about the hot stove in hockey. We got the hot stove in hockey. I mean, in uh, baseball today, we've got the hot stove in hockey on this show right now, huh? Exactly. I like it, buddy. And I agree with you. You know what? Beat everybody to the punch right now. Don't wait until everybody else is going for the same guy as you. I think this is a perfect time for Sweeney to strike. So we'll see what happens. Hey, Ty, keep up the great work at WEI.com, and hopefully I see you around the rink soon, all right? Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. All right, Nate. Don't be afraid to pump up pasta goal song, all right? Of course. I'll all, right. Read it out. all right, buddy. Appreciate it. Have a good one, man. Uh, Ty Anderson at WEI.com joining us here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. We got one segment left. You want to give us a call and uh, talk a little puck, talk a little baseball, talk a little football, talk a little Kevin Miller on MLB Network doing uh, push ups right now in front of me. What? <laughs> what is going on? But uh, you want to give us a call, 603-883-9900, or tweet us. I can be reached at Murphy's Law 74 or the show is at The Stretch Run NH, and the station is at ESPN NH. The Stretch Run will be back. One more segment here on a Tuesday. Stay with us. Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones. Only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. Take it from me, it's good to be alive and kicking. You don't realize that you almost die everything that you'd be missing. a good up-and-coming musician. Actually, been around for a bit now. Went to high school with my brother, Arlington High School. This is Jesse D at Arlington Mass, and uh, you can find him playing around the greater Boston area. Sometimes he comes up here to Southern New Hampshire. I highly suggest you check him out. He's got, he's got a good vibe, eh, Timmy? Well, you could tell that the recording of the good stuff for a long time, because this was uploaded in 2010. Yeah. So the act is definitely smoothed out by oh, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah good man. stuff. And this is, I mean, it, he was doing this when he was, like, just out of high school. He's only, like, 27. Yeah. So this kid's got, uh, he's got some skills, and you can tell the influence he has is very old school. I mean, he's a little, like, dirty swing in there. There's some blues. There's some funk. So... Check them out. Yeah, Justin no, I D. think of it as just blues. Yeah. A cup of the blues, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So, uh, good stuff. And uh, this is The Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. I am your host, Jimmy Murphy. That is Timmy Buttons. And speaking of music, uh, Timmy, 
you know, I've been trying to get this thing going together, and I still really don't know what the heck we're going to call it. I'm trying to get some sponsorship behind it. If you run a music venue or a music shop or, uh, you know, you think you'd be an appropriate sponsor for it, what we're trying to do is start a segment here in a stretch run where, you know, because I – Obviously, if you listen to my show, you know that it's uh, music's a huge part of the show, and I, I like to think I got a good variety in taste on music. I'll play a little bit of everything. Um, and what we want to do is uh, bring some bands in here, like once a week, play some acoustic, and then talk sports. You know, and then uh, you know maybe we do another segment where we bring an athlete on and have him talk about his passion for music. And I don't know what the name will be; I have no idea. But sort of that theme there. Uh, and so I'm trying to get that together, and I do actually, it's not completely confirmed, but I will have an answer by the end of the week, I'm hoping. Uh, there's a good chance for you punk rock fans, especially Boston punk rock fans, we're going to have Boston's own Street Dogs coming up here early next week uh, to play some acoustic in studio. Mike McCalgan. He of uh, Dropkick Murphys history. He was the first lead singer of the Dropkick Murphys and then went on to form this band, the Street Dogs, uh, will be joining us. Uh, and he's going to bring in a couple of his bandmates. And we're just trying to set a time uh, and a day, bring him on and come in here and play some acoustics. So I think that's going to be pretty fun. When this very frequency was in the what we call the Pink Palace, Indian Head Plaza block from here, it's on a sixth floor. Huge, long studio, but that meant two sides were the glass. Mm-hmm. We had the Spartans marching band in. Oh, wow. You physically saw the glass rattle. That's awesome. We had to slowly move some of that horn section out, like, into the lobby and whatever, because wow. you're going to shatter the office building if you keep bah, 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 right there up against the windows. But, no, I love live music in studios. I think yeah. that's a great It'll idea. it be fun. I mean, I know we're a sports channel, but, uh, you know... Can intertwine it. Hey, you know, there's a reason there's a definition for the word broadcasting. And until you're just only doing a podcast for 35-year-old virgins from California, you know, when you're still broadcasting, yeah, little music ain't going to hurt. Just as, look, I trust you and just about anybody up here. You know, if somebody took a pot shot at the governor this afternoon, we would have been calling the guests to say, sorry, because we're covering someone took a pot shot at the yeah, governor. Yeah, we're covering the... You know, yeah. because we have a response. It's broadcasting. Well, I, I'll tell you, I think... And if you try real hard, think. when Jimmy and I sit back from the microphone, yeah. you can even hear Espanol. Yes, you can. Because we're broadcasting. And that is not a, uh, a, a soccer game going on next door. No, tour. it is not. <laughs> a broadcast for soccer. Uh, but back to the Street Dogs quickly, too. I want to tell the listeners, too. And one of the reasons they are coming in will be to promote their annual Wreck the Halls Music Fest, they do every year around the holidays. They come back, obviously a pun on Deck the Halls, uh, and they come back and play around Boston, and they will be playing with the new Dark Buster. Um, actually, Lenny Lashley is uh, part of Street Dogs now. He's also in the new Dark Buster. He was part of the old Dark Buster, and they are playing Thursday, December 15th, Friday, December 16th, Saturday, December 17th at Brighton Music Hall in Boston. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster.com. Check them out there, but I will keep you posted on that. I want to thank all our guests here on the Stretch Run today. Very fun show, very busy show. And, uh, Timmy, thanks to you working the boards. Great job. Briefly, tonight it's regular ESPN programming, but tomorrow night the Bruins, Thursday night football, Friday the Celtics. There we That's go. That's what will follow Jimmy 
those three nights. We got you. And uh, we'll have a lot of good Bruins Capitals coverage on to get you ready for that Bruins Capitals game uh, tomorrow night. So definitely tune into the stretch run, 3 to 6 p.m. on ESPN New Hampshire. I hope you already tuned in for Christian and King noon to 3 before that here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm Jimmy Murphy. Have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow. Don't